Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday evening. Um, and I have an announcement to begin with. Um, there will be no Friday night with friends tomorrow evening, Friday, June 18th. So remember that. So this week, we're continuing on our theme of healthy change. And change is inevitable for all of us. And I've found the only thing consistent in my life is change. Things will not stay the same. So in looking at the change that occurs in all of our lives, the question is, what can we do to direct the change in a positive direction, to make it healthy? Let's begin with prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for being our Father, for loving each and every one of us. We turn to you tonight to guide us through this life. Allow your word to be a light that leads us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I found that change is always scary, but sometimes it's necessary. And the Bible has many stories of changes that were uncomfortable, but resulted in good things for the people who were affected. So tonight, I'm going to be telling the story from the book of Exodus about the Israelites going from being slaves to being free. This can definitely be labeled as a healthy change, but that does not mean it was easy. So let's look at the backstory of how they became slaves in Egypt. Our main story will come from the book of Exodus, but several generations earlier in the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 13 and 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Abram, You could be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. And another piece of the backstory, remember Joseph being sold by his older brothers because they were jealous of the attention he received from their father Jacob. Think about our small group topic this quarter about failed expectations. Jacob also had failed expectations concerning his marriage to Leah instead of his beloved Rachel. And then when he did marry Rachel, she's barren. Joseph finally is born to Rachel and Jacob obviously favors him over his other sons. But God, in his infinite wisdom, uses this situation to position Joseph in a key place to further his people. And we can remember when things in our lives seem to be totally out of control, God uses even the things we don't understand and turns them around for our good. Genesis 37, 28 says, So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite travelers, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. This seems, at the time, 
to be a terrible thing that's happened to Joseph. But God has a plan, as always. Joseph establishes himself over time as second in command in Egypt, but it was not without great trials. So Exodus chapters, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, starts off this story. These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, in all. Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including, including Joseph, who was already there. So Egypt at first is a refuge from the famine, but it becomes a place of bondage. Joseph receives his family and even states that they had planned what they planned for evil, God had turned out for good. So all of Jacob's family, about total of 70, goes to Egypt and they stay through the famine and then they don't leave. They become too comfortable in this strange land. And there arises a Pharaoh who doesn't remember Joseph and he fears them because they multiply and makes them slaves. Exodus chapter one, verses eight through 11 says, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. Sad situation. And then Pharaoh orders all Israelite boy babies to be drowned in the Nile River. The Pharaoh has no interest in God's plan. He only cares about his own plan and he redefines good and evil to the point of killing the boy babies. There's so much evil that Israel cries out to God. At this point, they want God to intervene and get them out of Egypt. So one Hebrew mother puts her baby boy in a basket into the Nile River, which flows downstream to the palace. Moses, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, is nursed by his own mother at the suggestion of his sister Miriam. Crazy plan. Moses grows up and God chooses him to deliver the Israelites out of slavery. Once again, God has a plan. Exodus chapter two, verses 23 through 25 says, years passed and the king of Egypt died but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. So at the burning bush, God tells Moses, to go to Pharaoh and command him to let the people go. Exodus chapters 
5 through 15 tell of the Israelites' deliverance. Pharaoh resists and does not listen to Moses, so God sends 10 plagues. And God hardens Pharaoh's heart, and there are confrontations between God and Pharaoh. And during the first five plagues, each time Moses tells Pharaoh to repent, his heart grows hard. And during the second five plagues, God offers Pharaoh chances to change his mind. When Pharaoh keeps refusing, God finally gets his attention on the 10th plague. Pharaoh had killed the sons of the Israelites. So in the 10th plague, God kills all the firstborn of the Egyptians. And on the night before they're to leave and go out of Egypt, each Hebrew family kills a spotless lamb. Hmm, spotless lamb, interesting. And paints the blood on the doorposts. Then the death plague passes over them, just like Jesus' shed blood saves us too, also. So this becomes an annual event for the Israelites, Passover, to remember how God kept them safe and also delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. It's about God's justice and his mercy. So Pharaoh rebels and loses his own son. So he finally gives in and lets them go. Well, they leave, but right away Pharaoh changes his mind again and chases after them. And notice how God planned ahead to keep the children of Israel from turning back in the face of opposition. He wanted this healthy change to occur. Exodus 13, 17 tells of Israel's wilderness detour. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. <clears throat> it's human nature to resist change, even healthy change, when the opposition is great. We can apply this principle to many situations in our own lives. We tend to gravitate back to the familiar, even when we know it's not good for us. And we must recognize and resist this tendency. Exodus 14 verse 4 says, And once again I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, so the Israelites camped there as they were told. I think it's interesting just how many times God does things so that people will know that he is the Lord, and he states that. We too should be aware of the many times he shows his power in our own lives. Lives, We should be noticing that. So this evening we're focusing on healthy change. The conditions in Egypt were horrible for the Israelites, but this path to freedom was resisted by the very ones who were in slavery. 
Exodus 14, 12 and 13 says, Didn't we tell you this would happen when we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Healthy change, but the people resisted. And then God really shows his power. I love this part. And it makes me think about the, ten, the movie, The Ten Commandments. Exodus 14, verses 19 through 31. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making the chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and the charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That's how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. The Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. All too often, it's hard to leave what is familiar and allow for healthy change. It takes trust in God. And sometimes, maybe most times, Healthy change does not feel comfortable. Trusting God's direction in our lives takes perseverance and belief that his plan is better than any we can devise for ourselves. So as we face trials and hardships, 
Remember all the times that God has performed the miraculous, not only in biblical accounts like the one we heard tonight, but also in our own lives. We must stop and count our blessings. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For us today, we have access to the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. It's up to each one of us to seek His Spirit, trust in His Word, and follow as He leads. We can see the great power that God displays as He frees the Israelites from the Egyptians. But that same power is still available for us today. We see in Exodus the struggles of the children of Israel after leaving Egypt. There is healthy change set before them, but they cannot seem to remember all that God has done to set them free. Time after time, they express their misgivings about leaving Egypt. As we face opposition to healthy change in our own lives, let's remember that God wants to set each one of us free from the bondage that is so prevalent in the world today. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, refers to being made alive in Christ. So I'm starting with chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, actually dead. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Notice it says refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and in inclinations of our sinful nature. But by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So these verses describe bondage. So then let's go to verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, and it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future generations as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Now, this describes freedom. So in this passage, we've got the beginning where people are in bondage, and then the second part, how God describes freedom that he has for us. This passage is the ultimate healthy change. Allow God to speak to your heart 
and know that God offers true freedom. Let's pray. Dear God, we desire to be free in you. Help us to give our cares, worries, and doubts to you, Lord. You've promised to lift the heavy burdens and give us an abundant life of righteousness, joy, and peace. Thank you, Jesus, for healthy change. Amen. And remember, there will be no Friday night with friends tomorrow night. And thank you for joining us. Good night.